please stand with us and sing. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul longs and even faints for you. For here my heart is satisfied. Within your presence, I sing beneath the shadow of your wings. Better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts and thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts, thousands elsewhere, thousands elsewhere. One thing I ask and I would see, to see your beauty, to find you in the place your glory dwells. One thing I ask and I would see, to see your beauty, to find you in the place your glory Spirit's water for my soul. I've tasted and I've seen. Come once again with me. I will draw near to you. I will draw near to you. And now let us join our hearts in prayer, our hearts and minds together as we join in prayer and light our peace candle. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we thank you and we praise you for allowing us to worship you. And Lord, as we light this candle, we pray for peace. We pray for peace that surpasses all human understanding. We pray for peace in our own lives. We pray for peace in our own communities. And Lord, we pray for peace in this world. 
We pray for a day when we can see each other as brothers and sisters and we can love one another so that there will be peace on earth. We pray this all through Christ Jesus and together we say, Amen. sanctuary pure and holy tried and true with thanksgiving I'll be a living sanctuary Please join with me for the opening litany. Christ Jesus, we come into your presence from many different places. We come carrying heavy burdens and sighs of suffering. Salt us with your grace and flavor us with your mercy. and be strengthened to go forth in service to the world. In your holy name we pray. Amen.
reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter. We are still in the Sermon of the Mount, which is what we started reading when we were reading the Beatitudes. That's also a part of the Sermon on the Mount. And so we are here reading Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to warn you, Jesus says some pretty heavy words here. I promise I'm going to explain these words as we work our way through this text uh, or during the message afterwards when we work our way through the text. And so if you are feeling uneasy as we're reading some of these very strong words of Jesus, just know that I will walk you through them afterwards so you can have an even better understanding. But we are going to read these words from the Sermon on the Mount. These are words that Jesus spoke to his disciples and possibly to others as well. We are unsure of how many people were there listening to Jesus on this day, but we have this, this message that Jesus, Jesus shared. We have this message that we can read today. And so we are going to read from the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter, starting with verse 21 reading through verse 37. And so if you can open up your pew Bibles, that will be wonderful. Or if you're at home, open up your Bibles there. And friends, if you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Amen. Oh my, I know it's a sleepy day, but come on, we at least have Bob back. I should be able to hear you. If you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Amen. All right, much better. Starting with verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has some against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny." You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. 
It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those in ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your yes be a yes, and let your no be a no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I will never be the same again I can never return I've closed the door I will walk the path I will run the race And I will never be the same again I will never be Turn, I've closed the door. I will walk the path, I will run the race, and I will never be the same again. Fall like fire, so like rain, flow like mighty waters again and again. And let a flame burn to glorify your name. There are higher heights, there are deeper seas. Whatever you need to do, Lord, do it in me. The glory of God fills my life and I. Turn, I've closed the door. I will walk the path, I will run the race, and I will never be the same again. And I will never be the same.
the same again. Amen. Will you join with me in prayer? Holy and loving God, we thank you and we praise you. And Lord, we know that every time we come to worship, we worship you, we know that we will never be the same again. Lord, you always help us and you change us and you, you make us better people. So Lord, continue to work with us and through us. And we ask that you bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds so that all that we do and all that we say can be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So what we just read, as I told you, comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And at Bible study, we had a great discussion about this. I thought it was a pretty good discussion given that it was on Facebook, so everybody else has to type in really quickly while I just get to talk. But I definitely enjoyed our conversation uh, about it on Bible study. But then after Bible study was over, I started to read William Barclay's commentary on Matthew chapter 5. And I am so glad that I read this after Bible study. Otherwise, our poor Bible studiers would have been stuck there for an hour because it was such an interesting commentary to read. But William Barclay was a renowned New Testament scholar, professor at Glasgow University in Scotland in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. And so for today's sermon, what I want us to do is another bit of a Bible study. I know I just did a Bible study sermon with you just two weeks ago. I want to do another bit of a Bible study where we walk through some things, and especially since what we just read is actually a really difficult text. I mean, Jesus uses some pretty harsh language here, so, so I want to walk through it, but but what I want to do, so I don't keep you here for an hour, because then you might cry and be like, please, you know, we, we don't want to stay here for an hour talking about the Bible. So what I'm going to do instead is only share with you three of the things that I learned from William Barclay's commentary. So any of the stuff that I'm saying, you know, it's all credited to him. And so I want to just give you three things that I think we can learn. Only three. There could be more. I'm narrowing it down so I don't hold you hostage here all day long. And so we're going to learn three things that we we can gather from Dr. Barclay's commentary. And so uh, the first thing that I want to do is I want us to look again at verse 22. As I said, there's a lot of really strong language that Jesus uses here. And that it, we think that Jesus may have only been with his disciples. So he wasn't afraid to use this really strong language because he could walk through it with his disciples. So verse 22, let's read this again. Jesus says, but I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. Who wants to go read this to their kids the second that we get out of Sunday school, by the way? And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. That council would have been the Sanhedrin. And if you say, you fool, this is what we're going to focus on. You fool, which is an Aramaic word, raka. If you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. I told you, Jesus uses some pretty strong words here. So that word that we have translated as you fool is actually the Aramaic word raka. Can you say raka? Raka. So R-A-C-A. It's an Aramaic word, Raka. So if you remember, at that time of Jesus, they spoke in Aramaic, but then they wrote in Greek. So very complicated. And then they also spoke Hebrew and Hebrew uh, within the Jewish communities. But so Jesus was speaking in Aramaic. And the Aramaic word that he used that we have translated as you fool is that word Raka. But Raka doesn't really translate into English. It's a word of contempt. It's a word that, that William Barclay 
Ridley says, can really best be described as a brainless idiot. So if you call somebody Raka, you're saying that they are a brainless idiot, and you're saying it with extreme contempt. That's the best way that we can understand that word Raka that Jesus uses. And Barclay uses a rabbinic tale in order for us to understand why Jesus said what Jesus said. So here's a rabbinic tale for you. A young rabbi was walking home from his teacher's house, and he was feeling very proud of himself for his scholarship and his overall goodness. And then he walked by somebody that he didn't really like. And when this person who he didn't really like walked by him and greeted him, the young rabbi did not return the greeting. But instead, this young rabbi looked at this man and said, you raka, how ugly you are. Are all the men of your town as ugly as you are? And then this passerby looked at the young rabbi and said, that I do not know. Go tell the maker who created me how ugly is the creature he has made. What a great response, by the way. Somebody ever says, says something so mean to you or, or something like that, I say, well, well, just go tell God that this child who God created is what you just said. When Jesus said that if we call another Raka, if we insult them terribly, then we are held to the, we are liable to the hell of fire. Jesus is saying that if we look at another person with disgust and terrible judgment, and if we voice those terrible thoughts, because let's face it, sometimes we might not have the best thoughts, but if we also voice those terrible thoughts, it is just as bad as if we said those things directly directly to God. Think about that saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Who here ever liked that saying? I'm not seeing too many hands. I remember, I grew up with basically all boys. And do you remember, I had a, in one of my babysitters, we called Aunt Shirley, and she would always say that. And that was my least favorite saying ever. Because, you know, my feelings were hurt from all these big boys, and I didn't really like the mean things that they said. Uh, but uh, she would always say, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. But this, I actually think that this is Jesus' way of refuting that saying. Because the reality is that words do hurt. People say things and those words do hurt. Sometimes the words that people hurt can hurt even more than physical pain. Words can hurt. And so we need to understand, as Jesus is saying here, yes, words hurt. And if we are ever the ones saying terrible, hurtful words, who is it that we have to answer to? God. We have to answer to God. So that's topic number one we're going to learn today. So now we're on to topic number two. So if you're wondering when this is going to be over, we're on topic number two now. So we're making our way through. So the second lesson that we have is when Jesus talks about restoring our relationships with our brothers and sisters. And by the way, when Jesus says brothers and sisters, he's not referring to just actual brothers and sisters, but we're all siblings, all of our siblings. So when Jesus talks about restoring our relationships with brothers and sisters, I actually think that Dr. Barclay sums this up perfectly. Dr. Barclay says, we cannot be right with God unless we are right with one another. Think about that. If you have bad relationships some broken relationships or things, think about this. We cannot be right with God unless we are right with one another. 
Now, I know that relationships are tough. I fully understand that relationships are tough, and I don't just mean like romantic relationships. All relationships can be tough. Our relationships with our parents can be tough. Our relationships with our children can be tough. Our relationships with our spouses can be tough. Our relationships with our siblings or our friends, those relationships can be tough. When you live with a person or when you're in community with a person, sometimes we're not always going to have those same points of view. We're not going to agree on everything. Sometimes we will say things or we will do things that will hurt another person. Relationships can be tough. It is just a reality, but Jesus teaches us that we need to be a people of restoration, at least if we want to be Jesus' disciples, because that's what we need to think about right now. Remember at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was on a mount and he was preaching a sermon, and we know that Jesus was preaching a sermon to his disciples. We don't know how many others were there. This isn't necessarily one of those sermons that thousands of people came out to. He was preaching to his disciples. And if we want to be Jesus' disciples, give me a nod of your head if you want to be Jesus' disciples. If we want to be Jesus' disciples, then here is where we're supposed to listen very carefully to what Jesus says. Jesus cares about restoration. Think about what Jesus did. When Jesus came to the earth, Jesus came to restore our relationship with God. Jesus is all about restoration. He came to restore our human relationship with God. And Jesus wants us to also work on restoring our own relationships as well. Sometimes that might mean that maybe we did something or said something that we shouldn't have. Anybody here ever say something that they shouldn't have? Yeah, just me? Mm -hmm. Of course, we're human. We are imperfect. Sometimes we might put a little fracture in a relationship because we do something or we say something that maybe we shouldn't have. Maybe we're just in a bad mood and somebody catches us on a bad day. I mean, it happens sometimes. I warn my kids. I say, I, I try to warn them. I'm like, today is not a day to push my buttons. Like, don't push my buttons today. I'm not in a really great mood. Like, I'm just giving you full disclosure so you know this. And there, But other people, we don't give that full disclosure to. So sometimes people might do something or say something that pushes our buttons and maybe we don't respond in the best, most, Jesus-like way. We are human. We are flawed. We are imperfect. It happens. But that means that sometimes we might need to be courageous enough to pick up the phone and to say, hey, Doug, I'm really sorry I hurt your feelings. I'm really sorry I said what I said. Will you forgive me? Sometimes we have to pick up the phone and we have to say that. Sometimes we might have to let go of a grudge that we have held on to for years. Has anybody here ever held on to a grudge for a little bit too long? I've got my hand up. I'm all about honesty here. Yes, sometimes we need to let go of that grudge. Sometimes we need to let go of that. Sometimes we might not, we might even need to forgive a person that we really don't want to forgive because we realize that they are a flawed human being. They are imperfect. They messed up and maybe they don't even have the mental capacity to understand how they messed up. So sometimes we just have to forgive. Even if that forgiveness is just to let go 
Sometimes we might need to enroll ourselves in some therapy. I am all about therapy. I think therapy is a wonderful thing. Sometimes we need to make sure we get ourselves into that couples counseling or, or maybe some family counseling. Maybe we just need to work on our own therapy. Sometimes if we want to work on restoring relationships, we have to work on ourselves or bring somebody in to help us to restore those relationships. But the relationships that we have with God's people might just echo our relationship with God. That's the point of what Jesus is saying here. The relationships that we have with our brothers and sisters, with others, might just echo the relationship that we have with God. And then that, here's our last point. So our third lesson, give me a little okay if you're ready to hear the third lesson. Say okay. Okay, so we're ready for the third lesson. Got to make sure everybody's awake today. So our third and last lesson comes from the way that Jesus speaks up for women. And by the way, maybe you didn't catch all that, but the way that Jesus speaks up for women is seriously awesome. Like, it is genuinely amazing. Now, at the time of Jesus it was not easy to be a woman. Like at the time of Jesus, I don't even know if we can fully comprehend how difficult it was to be a woman at the time of Jesus. At the time of Jesus, women, they didn't have a voice. Women were seen as possessions at the time of Jesus. And in the Jewish custom, divorce was frowned upon, but it was permitted. And so sometimes maybe a woman, she only gave birth to to females and then her husband might be like, where's my son? Why aren't you giving me a son? And so he might sign a certificate of divorce and he might divorce her because she was not giving him any male heirs. And that was legal. But you know what would happen when a woman got divorced at that point? She couldn't work for herself. She had to either go back to her home and hope that her father would be able to either marry her off to a less successful person because she wasn't worth as much at that point. Or maybe she had a brother that she could live with or maybe her father you know, was, would live for long enough that he could provide for her the only other option and I'm being you know this is something we need to understand as we read through the biblical context the only other option was prostitution which was a huge industry at the time of Jesus it was so huge that in the Greek cultures remember Jesus lived at a time of Greek cultures at the Greek cultures women when when a man married a Greek man married a woman he married her so that she could be at home taking care of the home things and a lot of times she stayed home and she barely got to leave a woman couldn't walk the street alone. If you were a man, you couldn't turn around and talk to a woman. George, you couldn't come up and talk to me. That wasn't a thing. You could only talk to the man that was with the women. Women were seen as possessions. And then prostitution was so huge that they literally built temples off of the funds that came from prostitution. It was not a good time to be a woman. So with those words that we read that Jesus said about looking at a woman with lust or about divorce, with those words that Jesus said, Jesus was sticking up for women in the greatest of ways, in the most profound ways. And the reason that Jesus was doing that was because Jesus did not want his disciples to ever think that they could see a woman as an object. Jesus did not want his disciples to ever think that they could see a woman as a possession. The reality is Jesus did not ever want his disciples to see a person. We can take women out of this situation. Jesus never wanted his disciples to see a person as an object or a possession. Jesus doesn't ever want us to see a living being 
as an object or a possession. Jesus never want his, wanted his disciples to treat anyone as an object or unworthy or raka. That is the point of what Jesus just taught us. So let's just kind of run through it. Let's go back. So what is it that we learned? We learned that, that we are not supposed to call people raka. We're not supposed to condemn people. We're not supposed to insult people. That's not the Jesus kind of thing to do. We can't put our cross around our neck and go around and start yelling and shouting at people. I'm going to tell you one quick silly story that's going to take two seconds. And I've told some of you guys this before. Once I was, I think it was Ash Wednesday a couple years ago, and I was driving in my car and I had my collar on, and then somebody was going to like turn into me. You know, they, they who didn't see where I was, and so I had to honk my horn, and, and even though I drove in Boston for three years, I still don't like to honk my horn, so I went to honk my horn, but then I quickly ripped out my collar, <laughs> because the tab comes right out, because I'm like, oh no, I don't want them to see a pastor honking at them. We have to be careful the second we put on anything that marks us as a follower of Christ, even though I wasn't doing it to be mean, I really just didn't want them to crash into me, you know, that, that at the second that we put on something that marks us, Something that marks us with the sign of Christ. We need to make sure that the words that we say, the things that we do are okay. And even when we don't put something on that marks us as a follower of Christ, we still need to be careful. We are never to use words to tear people down. Never let any form of raka enter our mouths. The second thing that we need to remember is that we need to work on restoring relationships. Our relationships with one another echo our relationships with God. And the last thing that we need to do, Glenn actually said this in Bible study, is we need to never see a person as an object we need to see the whole person the whole child of God the whole person that God created these are the three lessons that we can take with us today now I have one final thought for you sometimes people ask me how I how I feel like I can you know or how I feel if what if I spend my whole entire life following Jesus and what if I'm wrong what if I dedicate my whole entire life to following Jesus and what if I'm wrong? I've had people ask me that before. They're like, how are you going to feel, Pastor? You dedicate your entire life to following Jesus. What if you get to the end of your life, and what if you find out you're wrong? Well, first off, like, I'm pretty confident and comfortable with this whole Jesus thing, so like, I'm totally fine with that. But here's my other thought. If I get to the end of my life, and I'm not right about everything in my faith, if I get to, my, to the end of my life and find out that maybe I had something about this whole Jesus thing wrong... Following Jesus is never going to lead me astray. I mean, do you understand? These words are challenging words. And do you also realize that you're all sitting here comfortable with these challenging words because we know that Jesus tells us challenging things. The reason why Jesus tells us challenging things is because when we follow Jesus, Jesus actually makes us better people. When I follow Jesus, he actually makes me a better person. When you follow Jesus, Jesus actually makes you a better person. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for that amen. When we follow Jesus, he makes us better people. Think about all the terrible things that happen in the world. Slavery, Holocaust, the modern-day sex trade, which is a terrible thing. All these things. If people actually followed Jesus, none of that would happen. Not a single bad thing in the world would happen if we actually followed Jesus, even if we just followed these three things, only three of the things that Jesus said. 
So if I get to the end of my life and if something's wrong about my faith, I'm not too afraid. Because following Jesus makes me a better person. Following Jesus makes you a better person. Following Jesus, actually following him, makes us better people. What do we have to lose? And let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for sending us Jesus, not only to restore our relationship to you, but also to help us to restore our relationships with one another. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for all that you do in our lives. We thank you and we praise you for the way that you challenge us to be better, to be more loving. We thank you and we praise you for all that you do in our lives. And we ask that you continue to guide us, continue to bless us, continue to help us to be better blessings to others. And we pray this all through Christ Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks, 
and let us pray together. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen. are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trial, of famine and darkness and sword, still we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, at the trumpet call, lift your voice, to hear of Jubilee, out of sight till salvation comes. These are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant David, rebuilding the temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest, the fields are as white in your world, and these are the labors in your vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, at the trumpet call, lift your voice, to hear of jubilee, out of sight till There's no God like Jehovah, 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 there's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah, there's no God like Jehovah. Behold, He comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice, it's a year of jubilee. And out of science till salvation comes. Behold, He comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice, year of jubilee, out of science till salvation comes. Now go forth with the blessing of God. Go forth with the love of Christ in your heart. Go forth, be blessed, and be a blessing to all. <laughs>